The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Welcome to the Creek. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here. Man, I'm just, ah, I love worship set like that. I'm just, it's awesome. Thank you, band. Thank you, guys. I'm amazed at the talent at the Creek uh, that God has brought. If this is your first time, like Adam said, there's a guest card somewhere in the vicinity of you. If you would fill that out, uh, and that just gets us some information about you. We don't do anything weird about that. We don't make a lot of money when we sell your email address to the market, but um, every little bit helps, right? I've got, uh, we're, we're in week four of our foundation series, and let me just tell you, this week has been an incredible week. Um, if, if you are doing the fast, uh, our team has been praying for you. I'm just telling you, I, there, there are things that, that God has done in my life this week that honestly are just, have blown my mind. And uh, it's just incredible, and I'm loving it. If you uh, want some information about the fast and what it means to fast, and, then uh, talk to, to me after service. I can get you connected with one of our elders, and uh, we can help you understand the spiritual value in that. Let me recap for you real quick uh, just where we've been uh, going in this series. God has really impressed vision on, on my heart, and, and uh, vision is so vital to life. I mean, book of uh, Proverbs, Solomon tells us, In all of his wisdom, that where there is no vision, people perish. One says where there's no revelation from God, where there's no word from God over their life, people cast off all restraint. And I think too many times we gather as a church and we start to build our own agendas, if that makes sense, because it's really exciting to have a group of people working together. But the problem is uh, we can have a tendency, if we don't stay connected with God and vision and hearing from God, we will have a mob mentality in the church. And and that's not God's design and desire for his bride. And so uh, vision is vital to our church. And uh, then we talked about God having a vision, not just for a church, but for you. I mean, God uniquely formed you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He knows the most inner parts of your being, and he has called you for a purpose. And, And I think too many people live below that purpose. I think too many times we settle uh, for a mediocre life or even a mediocre Christianity. And we end up finding ourselves in this place where uh, we're disappointed with, we, we say we're disappointed with God, but the reality is we have to get honest and say we're disappointed with ourselves. And so we're not living that vision that God's called us to. And in order to live that, we've got to surrender ourselves. We, we've just got to say, here it is. Um, I love the line of that song, I release my pride, a living sacrifice. Let me tell you, I've got to do that every day. It is so hard because I can get so up on myself and go, man, you're just not that bad today. And then (laughs) you're not bad this hour. And God's like, watch this. So we've been talking about those and and taking practical steps in in that vision. One of the practical steps for us as a church starts next Sunday. Uh, Right now we would probably be, I don't know, in the middle of a service. No, we'd be, no, right now would be the, the, the William Tell Overture to Transition Services, basically. Um, but next week, our service times go from go to 9 o'clock, 10.20, and 11.45. Uh, this week, I was praying for God's vision, and God really challenged me. Uh, he said, don't pray for my vision. 
ask me for my vision once you're in my presence. And God really challenged me and said, Matt, let me ask you this. Do you want to see what I see or do you want to see me? And so let me challenge you to pray. Let me challenge you to pray to be in God's presence because from that presence, all the other things happen. And it only starts by prayer. If you're fasting, keep fasting because there are some things Jesus said only come through fasting and prayer. And this isn't just so we can figure out what we're supposed to do as a church or what we're supposed to do in our families or what we're supposed to do financially. It's so we can see Jesus for who he really is and then begin to move through life intentionally following him and he will show us where to go. And so keep praying, keep fasting, keep doing your family devos. And those are, those are vital. I have seen, and just through emails and communications back from our church family, the level of spiritual uh, growth that is happening through this series. This series to me is, is nowhere near financial in nature. It is all spiritual. And we better be more in love with Jesus by the time we finish this. If not, we've missed the point. And the foundation is Jesus. The foundation is us intentionally following him with everything we've got. And so God wants us to, to follow him, and he calls us to follow him. We can hear his voice. We said last week that he speaks through Scripture. He speaks through his Holy Spirit, and it's that still, small voice inside of you. Let me challenge you, when you're praying for God's presence, sometimes it's not the wind, and it's not the storm, it's not the earthquake, just as Elijah found out. It is in that still, small voice of God. When that experience happened, it is actually translated that God spoke in the silence. So get silent with God and hear his voice. But what we're talking about today is obeying his call. Yeah, because he's speaking to every one of us. He's not just speaking to me as a pastor and say, hey, Matt, go tell, go tell this family they need to do this. Or, you know, go tell this family don't do this. No, he speaks to you so that you can lead your family, you can lead your kids, so that you can be his representative and extension of his body in the world in which you live in. I mean, we're all in the same time and place, but you live in a much different world than I do. I cannot go into the places that you work and you, you do life. I don't have the voice there. And God's voice is speaking to you to be a voice in that place. Too many times there's this huge chasm between hearing God and obeying God. I think we as, as Christ followers, we frustrate ourselves too much about hearing God. He's speaking. We've just got to be silent. We've got to get in his word and we've got to hear him. But I think the bigger challenge is the walking it out in obedience because God is calling us to walk it out. I, I hear this often. I know what the Bible says, but... You know, but is one of those words that negates everything said before it. You know, it's like, you know, Matt, I really think you're a great guy, but... Okay, let's just start over. You think I'm trash. Now tell me what you really think, right? It's like the, with all due respect. It's like, no, you don't respect me. If you've got to say with all due respect, what's coming next? You know, but I said with all due respect. It doesn't make any difference. Or I know what God is telling me to do. Or I know the right thing to do, but let me, let me just help you. Uh, a, a lack of obedience is what we try to soften it to. It's really disobedience, and it's really sin. In James 4, James tells us that if you know the right thing to do but don't do it, it's sin. Disobedience 
is sin. Go to James chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, uh, James chapter 2, if you don't have one, uh, we have some on the ends of the rows. If you don't own a Bible, uh, that is your, our gift to you. Uh, if you have a smart device, you can go to Uversion Bible app. It's free in the app store if you don't have that. Uh, we put talk notes on there. So if you're in Uversion, I think you click live event. It'll search for it, and it'll, it'll uh, give you our talk notes. But don't, if somebody beside you doesn't have that smart device, because we give you the fill-ins, because we're not technically savvy enough to make you fill in the blanks on Uversion. So don't give the answers away. No cheating. No looking off your neighbor. I'm watching you. James chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 14. We're going to go to two passages. So if, you, if you're kind of wondering where we're going to be next, we're going to be in James and we're going to be in Joshua. So New Testament and Old Testament. Let's start out here. James chapter 2 verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well... Keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. What James is saying is this whole idea of Christianity is but a theory if there's no actions. Now, let me, let me help some, some of you. Uh, we can get really easily caught up into the system that we're saved by works or what we do. There is nothing you can do. We are saved by grace. Faith is a gift of God through grace, through the cross of Christ, through the resurrection of the Christ. But he says, if you can't, you can't work to get saved, but if you're saved, you'll work. Does that make sense? It's like the horse and the cart or the chicken and the egg. I love that, actually. So he says... He says Obedience is the key because God will call us to act, to move. I mean, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. I wrote a little thing this week for Kids Beach Club. They were hounding me for an article, and uh, they wanted to know about the importance of, the, of what Kids Beach Club means to our church. If you don't know about Kids Beach Club, uh, at Northbrook Elementary, one of the elementary schools we have adopted, uh, we, have, uh, some, uh, we have a beautiful teacher and staff that pours into the kids after school. And they have seen kids saved last semester and this semester. Um, And let me tell you something. There was the call from God that went out to to the teacher and said, here's what I want you to do. Now, too many times we can say, well, God called me to do that, but we get scared. We drop the ball but only through our obedience then God starts to move. This, this semester, you started with double the kids that they started with last year. I mean, it's amazing what God wants to do in the schools. Just, just so you know, we're, we're about kingdom work and action for the kingdom, whether it be at Kids Beach Club in Northbrook Elementary or whatever we can do. This last Wednesday night in, in youth, four kids gave their hearts to Christ. I mean, that's, that's incredible when you think about instead of just a bunch of people going, I, I think God's calling me to do something versus I'm going to do it. I, 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 we always think about the missed opportunities. Um, 
I was driving down the road one day and I see somebody on the side of the road and, and I don't feel this every time. Like I don't see people on the side of the road and go, I need to help them. But for whatever reason on this day, I looked and was like, I just felt impressed that God's like, you need to pull over and help those people. And so I start reasoning, you know, like, God, is this really you? You know, would you really tell me to stop? Because, I mean, stranger danger. I mean, people, people get <laughs> killed on the side of the road in Dallas-Fort Worth. They don't even have to be stopped and they get shot in the car. But is this really you? And so I start reasoning and wrestling, and I pass them. And God's like, yes. And so then I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll take the next exit and loop around. Okay, God, you happy now? The next exit was closed. And so I was like, oh, well, you must not have wanted me to go back. (laughs) To this day, I still feel guilty about that. Now, I've given the guilt, and God's taken that. but, But it's a missed opportunity because my choice in that moment was either obey or not. See, it's a difference in intentions versus actions. I won't stand before God, and if that situation comes up, I go, well, God, I had great intentions. My intentions were to go to the next exit, loop back around, and come back and help them. But you didn't do it. You see what I'm saying? Good intentions don't get us anywhere down the road. It's only the actions and the actions of obedience. So we have a choice on whether to obey or not. And disobedience happens in different ways. The, the first way that, that disobedience happens is uh, direct obedience. I mean, direct disobedience. This would be like um, you telling your toddler, do not touch the stove. And what are they going to do? They're going to go touch the stove. Very few Christians, this is prob- this, probably very few Christians, this is their mentality that, you know, God, I know you said to do this, but I am doing this. I am just not even trying to hear you. I want my own way. Very few of us actually do that. Um, The other one is uh, delayed obedience. And I think this is where a lot of us fall in the category of. This is where we'll obey to the point where we feel uncomfortable or insecure. It's like, well, God, if that car was in a parking lot, maybe, if it was well lit. But man, on the side of the highway, really? God, you want to put me in that kind of danger? Yeah, that's uncomfortable. That messes with my security. And we'll, we'll kind of say, God, I'll follow you, but only to this point. Uh, the, some of the ways that this has played out as delayed obedience is we'll wait. Um, we'll say, God, I really uh, feel like I heard you, but uh, not yet. I, I need to test this. I need to kind of push this aside and, and see, or we wait this way. How many of you have ever told your kids, probably men, during the football game, when the kids want to go out and play, and you're like, wait. Okay, we say wait, but maybe I'm just telling on myself here. But you really hope, maybe they'll forget, you know? Like, man, there's two minutes left. Y- y'all know that two minutes is 30 minutes in football time, right? Heather has figured that out, so I'm busted. Like, there's just two minutes left in the game, baby. See you tomorrow. Um, But you hope they'll forget. We do that with God. God, wait. And we hope he'll forget, you know. The other thing we do is question. Like Like I was questioning on the car on the side of the road. God, is this really you? Let me help you with something. The enemy of your soul will never tell you to help someone. Okay, is that a good filter? The enemy is never gonna say, yeah, this is gonna bless somebody, do it. 
Maybe you'll hurt God. He's never going to tell you to do that. You know, and the other one is uh, compromise. The God, I'll do this, but I won't do that. I call it meatloafing. Um, you know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> hey, I'm keeping that in the next service. I don't care. I laughed out loud in my office this week. And I was singing it too. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But the problem is when I was writing that part of our message, I was in a public place. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how that went. Um, but here, here's the thing. God calls us to obey him quickly, quietly, and completely. Quickly mean don't, don't, don't wait on it. When God tells you to do it, do it. Quietly, don't, don't question. I mean, there are some things that you don't have to question God about. And then do it completely. Don't compromise it. See it through to the end. And, and keep that moving. Because here, here's what I think delayed obedience stems from. It stems from fear. We're worried about what God's going to do. We're worried about what's going to happen. I mean, there are several fears that, that we kind of process through. The first one is fear of failure. I'll tell you, this, this one really, this one weighs on me. Launching this church was huge because I kept saying, God, what if I mess it up? I mean, you're, you're trusting lives and souls to me. What if, I, what if I just really mess this up? Honestly, I, I, I will confess this. I have had to lay this on the altar before that, that fear sometimes paralyzes me from moving forward. Sometimes it paralyzes me from even hearing God because I'm worried, what if we step out there and we fall? And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, it weighs even heavier on me now because as the creek's grown, there's... And we, we have weekends where we, we have several hundred people that come to service. And I still worry, God, what if I fail? What if I lead us out as a church and find ourselves outside of your will? I mean, we all process that fear. That one may not grip you. It might be the fear of success. God, what happens if it works? I mean, what happens, God, if, if as, I, as I'm following you and I'm obedient to you, there's this success that I can't explain. And what if, what if people start looking and going, man, what, what's, what's different about you? What, what's going on? Why are you, in, why are you seeing this in your life? What did you do to get this? I mean, think about it. When you, what would happen if the addictions that we face get broken? What would happen if, if the bondage that just wraps us up in life, we can move Past it. What if God actually heals us? What if God actually performs a miracle within us? What if we see some success and people are going to go like, oh man, you just, you just a holy roller. You didn't, God didn't do that. And we start worrying about what if it works? I haven't found that yet, you know. Um, God, what if this works? But the other one is uh, fear of man. This is a, who do you live for, the audience of man or the audience of God? Are you man pleasers or God pleasers? 
I mean, too many times we, we worry, what, 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 if, what will they think? You know, I, I used to wrestle with this uh, early in our services. You know, I, I love worship, and, and I have a way that I like to worship. And I started worrying, what will people think if they see the pastor worshiping this way? And I'll be honest with you, God moved to that place where I don't care. I'm here, I want the presence of God. I want him to like my worship, not you. I say that with all due respect, right? (laughs) And then there's fear of the future. Uh, What are the future implications if I follow God? Uh, Just going, Heather and I launching this church, man. Uh, We started thinking, so what does this do to our retirement? What does this do to all of these things? And we just said, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) I mean, we have to start over financially. Okay. I mean, as long as we can show our kids the value of following Jesus, regardless of what it costs us, I see that as a win-win. Think about Abraham. We talked about Abraham and Isaac. What if he got caught up in the fear of future implications? Okay, what if God actually calls me to go through with killing Isaac? Well, Scripture tells us how that fear was overcome, that Abraham reasoned it was accounted to him as righteousness and faith because putting his son on the altar, he even believed that God could raise the dead. So he's like, if God calls me to go through with this, he still has it planned out. And we get so worried about the future implications. What if I end up in a hut in in Uganda? Let me tell you something. If that's God's plan for your life, there's nowhere else on the face of this earth that you would want to be. And that everybody over here would be saying, you're crazy for sleeping in that condition. You're crazy for doing that. What have you done? And you're thinking, I am right in the will of God. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. And so we've got to move past those fears and start to act. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. I want to spend the rest of the time here. It's important for us to understand those fears so we have a basis of next steps. Joshua chapter 1. Let me set it up for you with what's going on. You know, Moses had led the people out of Egypt. They had uh, come across the Red Sea on dry land. Uh, If you remember, Moses stepped forward, put his staff down, the seas parted, and the Israelite children walked across on dry land. Once they got over, God overtook the Egyptians and closed the sea. They began their journey to the promised land. It's almost like this. They knew where they were. They were in Egypt. They were in bondage. And then Moses came and said, let my people go. And, you know, through a series of events, Pharaoh said, all right. Then he says, wait, psych, I was just kidding. And so they go chase him. And so Moses is leading the children of Israel. After they cross the Red Sea, they are in the desert. They are in a transition in life from Egypt to the promised land that God said, there is a land that I'm giving you. It flows with milk and honey. I will give you an inheritance where all the tribes of Israel will come together and possess the land and it will be yours and it will be the place that I give you. And so they are on this journey. Well, Moses gets a little prideful and deals with some issues. And God tells Moses, hey, bud, you're going to lead them there, but you're not going in. I'm going to kill you before you go in or you're going to die before you go in. (laughs) And so what's happened at this point, and they wandered for 40 years. 
Should have taken 40 days. You ever been there in your life? Where you're like, you look back after finally crossing that point with God, and you're like, man, if I would have just submitted to this sooner, that would have been a whole lot easier walk. And so we're at this point where Moses has died, and Joshua is second in command, and God calls Joshua to lead the people. So here's what happens. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He's saying this to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be able, you will be careful, sorry, to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, Joshua had a choice. I mean, he heard the word of the Lord. I mean, I I think too many of us hear God. We know God's calling us up. We know God's calling us to step up and engage in life and step into His will, His purpose, His plan so that we can see the kingdom of God expanded and grown. Not for our own selfish motivation, but because God actually has a plan for the redemption of humanity to be in a right relationship. See, Joshua had a choice. Our disobedience or obedience affects more than just us. If Joshua would have gone, I don't know that that was God. Maybe that was some bad manna or I don't know. Maybe, yeah. We're pretty comfortable here on this side of the river. I mean, we've learned how to do life. We've figured out how to get by. And, you know, it's not that bad. Maybe I didn't hear from God. Joshua's disobedience would have affected the legacy of the Israelite children and the inheritance God wanted to give him. Now, if Joshua would have said no, he would have been like, okay, come on a walk with me, Joshua. And then he would have gone to number three. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua's missing. Um, You lead him. God's going to get his will done. But do we want to be a part of that legacy? Think about the obedience of Abraham with Isaac. You get the nation of Israel. The obedience of Moses... And to the Pharaoh, the Israelites are led out of captivity. The faithfulness of Joshua to God leads them in. Joshua says, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here 
to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. We see that Joshua obeyed, and, and, and one of the things in your future reading this week is Joshua 3. God took me to Joshua 3 this week when we were dealing, when God was dealing with me on his presence. It is God's presence that led the nation across the Jordan River. It is God's presence that led them into the land that he was going to give them. He commanded them to to lead with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was the presence of God. Just so you understand something, that when Jesus was on the cross, and he gave his final breath and said, it is finished. The veil of the curtain was torn from top to bottom, and the presence of God is accessible to every one of us. That our hearts are the temple. Our hearts can be the holy of holies where the presence of God dwells to lead us in the life he's called us to walk. And he leads us with that that peace. Once they crossed, They face this giant city, Jericho. The only way the walls came down is he's like, I want you to put the worship band up front and I want you to praise the walls down. There are things in your life. God is leading you. He leads you with his presence and there are things that only praise can take down. There are things that only fasting and prayer can accomplish in your life. It is these spiritual disciplines that as we walk, we begin to move into that life that God has created us for. And so I want to talk real quick about some foundational elements to walking in obedience. And these are big things. And we need to understand these, that that we need to believe God is for us. Do you believe God is for you or do you think he's some cosmic killjoy standing in heaven? You know, kind of like the big kid with the magnifying glass on ants. He's like, don't get too happy. Sadly, people think that. Here's what I think God's doing. When we start walking in his plan, I think he is our coach in front of us going, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. I think he's the presence behind us going, I can help you, I can help you, I can help you. And he's also the presence right beside me that says, be strong and courageous because I will never leave you. Do you believe God is for you? I mean, this this is foundational. We have to believe God is good. God is good. And then don't believe the critics. Too many times the first voice we hear is the voice of opposition. And God's saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've called you out for a purpose. Those critics can come with a negative report. When, when Joshua sent this, he sent 12 spies into the land. Ten of the 12 came back and said, it's better to use Crest toothpaste. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I like statistics, right? Four out of five dentists. What happened to the fifth one? Um, he just doesn't like to play along. Ten of the 12 spies came back and said, they're too big. There's giants in that land. It ain't going to happen. Even if we can cross the river because it's flooded during this time of the year, even if we can cross the river, I don't think we can take those people. I mean, they've got a city where the walls are so big they have chariot races on top of the wall. I don't think so. But two of them said, God has said it, we can do it. And Joshua said, God has said it, we can do it. So we'll hear the negative reports or an accusation. 
You know, we, we finally muster up the courage to tell a friend, hey, this is what God's calling me to do. And they're like, I don't think you're the person to do that. What about that time? What about that time? What about that time? Or the enemy starts to be that voice. Too many times when we start talking about our future and what God is doing, the enemy is called the accuser, and he will try to disqualify you with your past to keep you from going into your future. Does that make sense? The enemy will use your past to disqualify your future, and you've got to decide, I'm not going to hear it. I'm hearing God. I'm hearing the voice of God. And then be strong and courageous. Or if you want to bring it up to today's translation, just do it. It's time to to create a separation between our backsides and the seats of chairs and start walking the life that God has called us to walk. And we come in here and we get encouraged, we worship, you know, we, we love on each other. I mean, our goal every week is to make Jesus clear and to love you, but there comes that point where we have to break huddle here, we have to separate and gather. And I think that's where the greatest strength of the church is, by the way. Not when we gather, but when we scatter, because we're going into all the world. We're going out and we're intentionally living life in obedience to God so that His work can get done. I believe this, that the, the obedience precedes the miraculous. We always say, well, I want God to do a miracle in my life. I want to see God do something bigger than me. Are you obedient? I mean, in Matthew 14, when Jesus told Peter, come for a walk, Jesus was standing on the water. And Peter's like, "Uh, I don't know about that. And he says, Lord, if that's you, Tell me to come out there and I'll come out there. And Jesus said to Peter, come on. And Peter obeyed and miraculously walked on the water. Where is God calling you to step that you don't believe you can step without the presence of God? Because only then will miracles happen when we walk in obedience. And you look at the life of Jesus through the Gospels. The miracles follow Jesus. People follow the miracles, but we're called to follow Jesus. So our obedience puts us in the presence of God. It releases the provision of God. It puts us in a place where it's only God working through this. Let me just tell you something. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of something that reaches this world for Christ. I mean, I I want to be a part of something that, that God can work in me and through me to make a difference. I mean, think about it. Uh, I want to know that my obedience does something for the kingdom, that my obedience leaves a legacy that outlives me. I mean, think about this church. What, what, if, what if in Creek Kids right now, the next missionary is being raised up to go and turn a country back to Jesus? Maybe it's America. But maybe there's a missionary back there. Maybe, maybe there's somebody back there that God is raising up that's going to revolutionize how we think about medicine or how we think about something. And God is saying, I'm doing this all in my purpose. Maybe in here, God is stirring you to say, I want your family back. I want you to put your family back on the altar so that I can fix it, so that I can live through you, so that I can do something bigger than you. And it's only through obedience. 
Intentions aren't going to get it done. We can have the intentions to lead our families. We can have the intentions to serve God. We can have the intentions to go down the list. But until we act, nothing's going to happen. And here's what I know. God could be raising up all kinds of things in our church and people. But if if we're not obedient, we'll never see it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word, your truth, your desire for us not to just be mindless people following you, but you've given us an intellect, you've given us emotion, you've given us desire. And I pray that that right now you not just speak to our hearts, but give us the courage. You told Joshua to be strong and courageous. And Father, right now, uh, some of us are, are paralyzed by fear, whether that's fear of failure, success, of man, whatever that fear may be. We ask for your courage to be poured into our life. And God, we just ask that as we step from this place, that we glorify you with everything we got, with every step, with, with our obedience that we glorify you. With our faithfulness, we glorify you. With how we work, we glorify you. God, I just pray that you help us to hear your voice above all the other voices in life. And God, I I don't pray for miracles to happen because we understand that the miracles follow you. So we don't seek your vision. We don't seek your provision in our life. We don't seek your miracles in our life. Father, we seek your presence because your presence will lead us Your presence will give us everything that we need to accomplish what you are asking us to do. So, Father, I just ask right now that you give courage to those sitting in this room that that maybe are paralyzed by the fear that overtakes them. Give courage. Give peace. And I pray that you help us understand We're working towards something much bigger than ourselves. We love you and we thank you. And we praise you. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.